Are allergies bothering you? Is pollen a problem in your life? I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm joined by a very special guest, a real pleasure to have him with us. He's Dr. Mitchell Gaynor. He is Clinical Assistant Professor of Medicine at Weill Cornell Medical College in New York City. He's the author of an upcoming book, The Gene Therapy Plan, Take Control of Your Genetic Destiny with Diet and Lifestyle. Tell me a little bit about how this frigid, wintered, and delayed allergy season in trees could be impacting the type of spring we're going to be facing. Well, it's an uh, interesting uh, term, pollen vortex. It sort of comes from uh, polar uh, vortex, and it has to do with the fact that we've had, you know, very difficult winter in terms of ice, in terms of snow, in terms of extremely cold temperatures. Uh, So instead of uh, spring sort of easing in uh, the way that it has the last several years, all the pollen has been sort of stored up, uh, if you will. None of it has been released. And so what we're seeing is just very, very high levels of uh, tree pollen going forward for this time of the year. And I think we can expect one of the worst allergy seasons ever uh, because of that. With the allergy seasons as they go, obviously on the East Coast, where you're based, um, spring, this is a pretty particularly tough time. How about as we go Midwest, out west? A similar deal? It is, uh, because uh, really uh, the Midwest has also been hit uh, pretty hard with very cold temperatures, uh, a lot of precipitation in the form of ice, rain, uh, snow, and uh, that's delayed, you know, uh, tree uh, pollen uh, from being released in a more gradual manner than usual. So we do have uh, what's called this pollen vortex. So I think uh, physicians are going to be seeing uh, quite a bit uh, more seasonal allergies than we've seen in uh, probably at least a decade. Now, we have, again, physician audience. We're used to dealing with our patients. They come in with allergy symptoms. It's often very confusing, frustrating to deal with. How do you approach your patients? What do you, what do, you do to uh, try to work with them to deal with this? Well, there is a lot of uh, data as far as, uh, you know, there's certainly the medications. Uh, you know, there are the uh, antihistamines and, uh, you know, leukotriene uh, blockers uh, like Singulair. Uh, There are the nasal uh, corticosteroids that some people will need. But, you know, the average person, uh, you know, that just has tree pollen allergies, uh, maybe they'll be uh, coming in with a scratchy throat, uh, watery eyes. Uh, And I tell people to use a humidifier. I think a neti pot uh, to flush sinuses for people that it becomes uh, chronic uh, is a good idea. Uh, occasionally we'll use nasal chromalin uh, as well. But there are a lot of uh, nutrients and things that people can do uh, as well. And I think it's also important to take a good family history uh, about allergies because there's a huge uh, genetic link as well. There was actually one study of about 400 families, and if neither parent had a history of asthma, only 6% of the uh, children developed that if there was just one of the parents that was asthmatic, 20% of their children uh, developed asthma. And families where both parents had asthma, 60% of the children had it too. So 
you know, you can really look uh, and see that there's more of a what we call epigenetic gene expression uh, component to this, and that's even more profound if you look at twins. Uh, you know, if you look at identical twins, if one suffers from hay fever, uh, asthma, uh, eczema, then 50 to 80 percent of the time the other twin is going to have it, and in fraternal twins, that drops down to about 35%. So there is an epigenetic, you know, a gene expression component uh, that has to do with histamine release and uh, sensitivities uh, to developing uh, seasonal allergies, asthma, eczema, things like that. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, your host, and with me is Dr. Mitchell Gaynor. Dr. Gaynor is founder and president of Gaynor Integrative Oncology and Gaynor Wellness. He's based in New York City. He's an author. Um, Your background is very interesting. You served as director of medical oncology at the Strang Cancer Prevention Center in New York, as well as medical director and director of medical oncology at Weill Cornell Medical Center for Complementary and Integrative Medicine in New York. You know, it uh, is something that would almost seem counterintuitive. Uh, I really became interested in it. I uh, did my internship, my residency, fellowship. I was chief medical resident at Cornell. I did fellowships in both hematology and oncology and at Cornell. And as part of uh, my oncology fellowship, Rockefeller University is uh, literally right next door, and uh, I was doing molecular biology research on uh, the regulation of immune system genes, and we were studying uh, how those genes could be regulated. So, you know, when I was in medical school, uh, and when most of us were, you know, we were taught that the genes we received from our parents, uh, that pretty much determined your genetic risk of uh, everything from cancer to obesity to diabetes uh, to premature aging. And this science of epigenetics, epi means above, that has to do with the various nutrients and toxins that we take into our body from the environment those can turn on and off everything from tumor suppressor uh, to tumor promoter genes uh, to genes regulating the immune system, uh, whether it's overactive in terms of autoimmune disease uh, and allergic conditions, food sensitivities, and even type 2 diabetes and obesity, insulin insensitivity, leptin insensitivity, all these things are related to what we're putting in our body and how they affect gene expression. So this is, you know, a field uh, that's becoming known as ecogenetic medicine, uh, and it really has to do with what we're putting in our body and how it regulates uh, gene expression for a variety of uh, different conditions. What are the things we do that harm our body? Obviously, we know in, in our own diets there are certain things we do, processed foods, those types of things. But tell us, um, from your perspective, uh, for our own patients, what are the healthy guidelines we should provide? Well, I think there are several. I think it's very important that one of the things I started noticing early on in my career is that there were so many commonalities with the causes of cancer and the causes of obesity and diabetes and aging, heart disease, and those commonalities, a lot of the times it comes down to inflammation. So we used to just think it was 
you know, high cholesterol and the wrong types of cholesterol uh, that was causing heart disease. Now we know that you also need inflammatory damage of the endothelial cell wall that will happen uh, from too much white sugar, uh, too much white flour, too many heat-damaged oils, uh, and then a variety of other environmental toxins. And the other thing that I think uh, we tend to have overlooked over the years is uh, the gut, you know, the GI tract. And the gut microbiome, I describe it, it's like, a, you know, a rainforest in our bodies. The gut microbiome, the number of genes in there uh, make up more genes than in the rest of the human body. And we really have to take care of it. So there are some important uh, bacteria you need to have in there and nourish acidophilus, lactobacillus, bifidobacteria. So what does that have to do with allergies? We know that uh, children who uh, have a lower variety of these gut microbiotic bacteria are a much greater increased uh, risk for food sensitivities and food allergies to things like peanuts, milk, and eggs. And that goes on into adulthood. And it shouldn't be any surprise because when you have uh, dysbiosis in the gut, you're releasing inflammatory mediators like uh, IL-6, AP-1, NF-kappa B. Uh, these are things that are going to promote insulin resistance uh, and promote inflammation. All this is occurring at an epigenetic level. So it's very important, you know, to consider taking a probiotic with at least a billion colony-forming units per capsule to include things in your diet uh, like Greek yogurt, preferably uh, with no added sugar and uh, kefir cultures, uh, fermented foods like sauerkraut and miso. Uh, those are all good. And then you want to also have uh, enough prebiotic nutrients. Those include uh, nutrients like inulin and oligofructose. Uh, you'll find those in uh, different whole grains uh, like barley and spelt. You'll find them in kale, and you'll find them in uh, things like chicory leaves in abundance. So, you know, the whole grains, you know, have gotten sort of a bad rap, you know, in the popular fad diets, uh, but whole grains are broken down in the gut to short-chain fatty acids. Those are critical for the gut microbiome, and also they're critical for something called GALT, which is gut-associated lymphoid tissue. Uh, so a lot of allergic things really do start in the gut. A lot of inflammatory disease and insulin insensitivity starts in the gut. So for you know your average physician out there who's saying, all right, I went to traditional medical school, got traditional medical education, moved along, did those things, and I'm interested in this or want to learn, where do you even begin? Because much of this obviously wasn't taught in medical school. You don't have it in board recertification tests or no. in continue. Where, where do you find out this information? Uh, and read I would say uh, my new book, really, it's loaded with hundreds and hundreds. Everything in there is uh, referenced, you know, to the journal. Uh, so the gene therapy plan is really a great resource uh, for physicians. I've also created a website where I put the latest scientific information uh, on there and have, you know, meal plans and juicing regimens uh, really, you know, all based in the science 
of ecogenetics, and that website is called genechanger.com, G-E-N-E, changer.com. And uh, so many physicians, you know, have told me uh, that it's really changed the way they practice medicine. And when you do this and you look at it, obviously, are you, do you still hold on to the traditional things we've taught in medical school and in training as well? Is this an, an adjunct, replacement? Or how do you see it? Uh, I see it as a complete adjunct. Uh, so, you know, I have two facets to my practice. I have uh, gainer integrative oncology and gainer wellness you know, which is largely prevention, gain or wellness. But, you know, my oncology practice, you know, we give chemotherapy. There's uh, all the new immune checkpoint inhibitors, which is literally revolutionizing uh, the treatment of uh, solid tumors. And there are a number of other things on the horizon uh, as far as doing molecular profiling of different tumors. So, you know, my understanding very deeply of uh, molecular biology and gene expression has served me very well, both, you know, on the clinical side. Uh, so I use, you know, everything that allopathic medicine has to offer uh, as far as uh, drugs and other treatments. But also, this is a way of really engaging in treating a lot of the underlying causes. And there's so much science on this now, I really feel it's reached a critical mass in the last uh, couple of years. You know, as far as taking a probiotic, you know, we're talking about allergies. People should make sure they're getting enough magnesium. A lot of people uh, don't realize uh, magnesium is very important, uh, especially in asthmatics for uh, adequate airway function. You can get magnesium in spinach, uh, in kale, uh, in almonds, uh, bioflavonoids. Those have been found to reduce the amount of histamine and uh, it modifies uh, the body's uh, response uh, to different allergens, again, on a gene expression level. So bioflavonoids are found in Brussels sprouts, uh, mangoes, papayas, uh, garlic, and even green tea. So I recommend patients do that. And there's another critical nutrient doctors can recommend. It's called quercetin. Uh, quercetin is a flavanol, and it suppresses an overactive uh, immune system as far as IgE uh, and histamine release. And it also helps break down the histamine that's been uh, released. And you can get quercetin in uh, apples, especially Granny Smith apples, onions, parsley, uh, sage, grapes, they all uh, are loaded uh, with quercetin. Um, and I also feel it's very important uh, for women of child-bearing uh, age to breastfeed uh, their babies. Uh, breastfeeding has uh, been found in numerous studies uh, to help ward off uh, allergic disease by lowering kids' exposure to exogenous uh, antigens, uh, protecting against infections, but mostly by promoting GI uh, mucosal maturation and the development of a healthy gut microbiome. Dr. Mitchell Gaynor, wow, we ran out of time. I want to thank you so much for sharing your insights and so many ideas. And obviously, for people who are listening to the program, uh, you, you gave your websites an opportunity for people to learn more and find out more about this. And I, I agree with you that as time goes on, we're learning more and more about genetics, epigenetics, and the role uh, of all these factors. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed part of this discussion, you can visit us at 
ReachMD.com slash Primary Care Today. You can download a podcast and learn more about the series. And uh, we really appreciate your time, Dr. Ganger. Thanks a lot for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me.